Bokatov Erevtov. Veshatovo Mutzlachat, all you bold souls, as we uh, enter into the book of Ktuvim, uh, uh, to study Sefer Daniel and do our best to understand uh, someone who, at least uh, contemporaneously, uh, shared uh, part of the experience of exile along with Yechaskel, which is one of the reasons. Uh, why we chose to jump from Yechezkel to Sefer Daniel. Uh, the others, hopefully, will be apparent over time. So let's get into the text itself and see what Perak Aleph is like. Bishnat Shalosh L'Malchut Yehoyakim Melech Yehuda Ba'nevuchadnetzar Melech Bavel Yerushalam Vayatzar Aleha So the opening of Sefer Daniel takes us to the reign of the King Yehoiakim, the son of Yoshiahu. And uh, this is the period uh, before uh, the Churban itself. But we read that Nebuchadnezzar uh, laid siege to Yerushalayim. <speaking in Hebrew> So Nebuchadnezzar, his siege uh, is successful, uh, and he captures uh, Yehoiakim, and he takes Kalim from the Beit HaMikdash, and he takes them to Eretz Shinar, which is uh, the Tanakh's name here for Eretz Bavel, and uh, he brings the uh, Kalim of the Beit HaMikdash into uh, the uh, treasury vault of his god, uh, the god of the um, of the Babylonians, uh, and we've made reference in past uh, Shurim uh, that on a certain level, uh, wars in antiquity were believed to be uh, wars between the powers of the gods, and so uh, Nebuchadnezzar, feeling certain that he had uh, uh, upped uh, Yerushalayim, he not only felt like he defeated Yoyakim, but he put... Uh, God's possessions, if you will, into his own uh, treasure house. Uh, I would hasten to say here that um, one of the ways to think about uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, who someone we're going to have a lot to do with, is that it turns out that many people who write on Sefer Daniel and others uh, think that Nebuchadnezzar is sort of the Babylonian equivalent of Paro. In other words, uh, we don't need to necessarily be cornered into thinking that the Nebuchadnezzar here we're talking about is always the same one that we're familiar with. Uh, for now, let's just hold on to the idea that he may, this may be the title of any number of different uh, kings of, of, of Bavel. Vayom ha-melech l'ashpenaz rav sarisav l'haviv m'bnei Yisrael u-mizera ha-milucha u-minapartamim. So the king says to Ashpenaz, who's the head of his uh, eunuchs, uh, in other words, the, 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 uh, the, the uh, reigning, uh, the reigning, uh, what we call him, uh, CEO of, of, of the office of the king, uh, and the man who runs the palace, and he tells him to take and to choose from the, uh, the people that he's brought with the first exiles from uh, Yehuda, uh, even though it says B'nai Israel. And he takes from the Zerah Melucha, from the family of the royal family, and from the Partamim. Now, Partamim, we'll, we'll uh, get back to a bit later in the Ibn Ezra, but the word is familiar to us from Megillat Aster. And so what we've got here is, uh, you know, the introduction of a language that we're not entirely familiar with, uh, but Partamim is, uh, is, a, is an officer or, or, you know, people who were officers in, uh, in the Jewish court in Mamlechet Yehuda, and they're brought uh, in this exile uh, to Eretz Shinar. And the request is, for Yeladim asher ein bahem kol mum, so this is a fascinating uh, and, and very, uh, I think, profound strategy. 
And what he wants his man in charge to do uh, is to uh, make a selection of Jewish children, and he wants him to select uh, for potential. He's interested in uh, choosing uh, children who are good-looking, who are bright, uh, who are, who are going to be the stars, stars of the future. In other words, uh, the, the, um, the best of, of those that he's exiled. And uh, what he wants to do is acculturate them. They're, he wants to have them lamod bahechalamela. Uh, he wants them in the palace. Ulalamdam sefer. He wants them to be educated. Ulashon kastim. And he wants them to be fluent in the language of the kastim, in in the Bab- in the language of Babel. So because these uh, students. Uh, who he's um, who he's preparing for leadership in Bavel and to make his reign easier. Uh, so here's again another expression uh, which we're uh, largely unfamiliar with, although the Ibn Ezra will tell us the word bag is similar to the word baz in in Yechaskel. But here it means, you know, he, the, the people who are, uh, uh, these children who are brought to the palace are going to be well-fed, they're going to be receiving uh, the same uh, diet that the king's uh, table receives, including wine. So they're three-year interns, they're there to learn the customs, they learn to language, and to, and to get a real education. So this is the Harvard, if you will, uh, of, uh, of, of Eretz Bavel. Vahibahem, and so the Sefer continues, Vahibahem mibnei Yehuda, and amongst these children who were selected were Daniel, Chananiah, Mishael, Vazariah. So we're, here we have three uh, individuals, Daniel, uh, the hero of our Sefer, and his three uh, Close friends, it seems, Hananiah, Mishael, Vazariah. Vayasem lehem Sarah Sarisim Shemot. Now notice here, this is, uh, it's certainly one of the, uh, the main themes that we'll be treating tonight, is that this is more than just the capture of, uh, of Yushalayim and uh, an early exile. This is really an attempt to change the Jewish nation uh, to have them, as we would say now, not in English, we would talk about in terms of intermarriage, uh, in a different uh, in, in a different uh, dimension, but here it's really about hitbolulut. Uh, he really wants them to become part of the uh, the the culture of Bavel. Vayasim lehem sarisim shemot, and he changes their names. Vayasim leDaniel Balshatzar. He changes Daniel's name. His court name is, is not going to be Daniel. His court name in this uh, Harvard of, uh, of, of the capital is going to be Belshazzar. So Hanania is called Shadrach. Mishael Meshach. Mishael gets named Meshach. And Azariah gets Avad Nego. Avad Nego, Rav Yol says the word Nego in uh, the language of, uh, of, of that the costume spoke um, is related to somebody with a sheen or a, a, a light. Vayasem Daniela alibo, lo yitgael bepat bag hamelech uvien mishta, vayvakesh misarisim asher lo yitgael. So here we have the first dramatic action in the turn of our story and one of the f- definitive moments in Daniel's life uh, where Daniel, Vayasem Daniel Alibo. This is an internal process. Uh, the, the book takes us into the, the mind of uh, Daniel, into his heart, literally. And he makes a personal decision. And his decision is that he's not going to make himself impure. He will not make himself disgust, make himself disgusting, if you will. Um, he won't mix bepatbag hamelach uviyeh mishtav. He wants nothing of the diet, uh, of the food that's being offered from the king's table. Vayvakesh misara sarisim asher lo yitgal. 
And so he makes a request of the royal commander, uh, the commander of the palace, um, you know, and he tells him, I don't really, I, I really prefer not to eat the, the food from the king's table. So now we have Shem Shemayim appearing in Sefer Daniel, and God intervenes because had he not intervened, one would presume that uh, this young upstart who's uh, speaking in a way that's contrary to the desire of the, of the king, uh, the king of kings of Bavel, right, and certainly his master now, uh, and so the, uh, the, the head of the court, uh, um, you know, is, is, is taken with Daniel. And he says to him, So here we get um, really two insights right off the bat. The one is the mindset of the man who's the number two man in the palace. Um, and we understand why we need it for Daniel to have chesed and rachamim from Hashem um, and uh, have the sarasarisim uh, feel so compassionately about him because had he not, uh, he declines Daniel's request and he tells him, uh, instead of killing him or, or, or harming him, he says, you know, uh, essentially, you know, I'd love to help you out, but, you know, <laughs> I'm afraid for my life. You know, if they, the king takes one look at you and he sees that you are any different from the other kids that he's handpicked, I'm going to lose my head. Uh, now, that's, a, 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 I'm, I, I'm being fairly lighthearted about it here, but, you know, this is literal. And as we're going to see, uh, the king of, and the kings of Bavel are notorious for their cruelty and for their ability to, on a dime, you know, literally take somebody's head. So, uh, Daniel, <laughs> uh, there's so much about the character of Daniel that's both familiar and not. So here he is being what we would call very Jewish. If, what, if, you know, if, if one door is closed, he finds another one. Daniel el Hamel Tsar. So you know the head the headman is not uh, is not giving him the answer he wants. So he work he works on the waiter, uh, the man who's actually serving the meals. Daniel al Daniel. So here the the text takes the trouble to let us know that this is not just you know some off the street uh, waiter servant. This is actually somebody who was put in charge of the serving the food by the overseer, you know, uh, lord of the court, the Sarah Sirisim, al-Daniel, Hanan, Mishael, Vizariah. And so Daniel uh, is now trying his scheme uh, and his plan and his desires out on the, the, the waiter, and he makes him a proposal. He says, Nasnayet avadecha yamim asara. Daniel, we can tell how quick he, he understands, you know, that uh, the concern is that if he's not eating from the, you know, the grade A diet, that, uh, you know, that they'll be noticed. So he says to the Meltzar, Let's put it to a 10-day test. You know, feed us lentils. Uh, you know, uh, we're going to go vegan, uh, and we'll we'll drink water. So he basically says to him, "Look, you know, give us a ten-day trial. We're going to eat this, uh, you know, non-royal uh, diet, uh, which I've you know teasingly called a vegan diet." And we'll see how everybody looks, and we'll see how it turns out. And the Meltzar, for reasons that are unknown to us, decides to go along with this very brazen, completely out of place, and in, in fact, really dangerous plan. So 
wonder of wonders, miracle of miracles, it turns out that at the end of 10 days, not only do they not, are they not noticeable because they're not looking as hale and hearty as the others who are eating the finest from the, from the king's table, but they actually look better than the others. And so the text tells us that the waiter would carry off, you know, you could, it's almost like a British comedy, right? You can see him, you know, taking the, the, the uh, silver trays with the, the finest food of the, of the king's uh, table, whisking it off somewhere else and bringing replacement trays that contain lentils and, uh, and, and whatever, whatever zeronim, uh, you know, uh, perhaps nuts, uh, who knows. But the point is they're not eating from the king's table and not drinking his wine. Vayiladim ha'ile arbatam natan lehem ha'elohim madav haskel b'chol sefer v'chokmah v'daniel hevin b'chol chazon v'chalomot. So now it turns out that uh, not only has Daniel taken this upon himself, uh, but his other three friends, Hananiah, uh, Mishael, and Azariah, are uh, following his lead here, which is not insignificant. And it turns out that God gifted the, the four of them with Mada, with uh, wisdom, Haskel, uh, intellect, Bechol Sefer. They quickly... Um, you know, they, they knew their stuff, and they had Chochmah, and here is the line in the green, a very telling line, V'daniel, hevin b'chol chazon v'chalomot. So Daniel seems to have a special aptitude and a special gift, and that is that aside from knowing uh, everything there is to know about nature, uh, being well-read, and, and being quick on his feet, as we've already seen, now it turns out that he, uh, he's a maven, he's, he's an analyst of dreams and, and visions. So a time has passed now, and the king is now interviewing uh, the young talent to see what they're like. And it turns out um, that uh, amongst all the other uh, neophytes in, the, uh, in what we're calling the Harvard of Babylon, uh, there are no students or no protégés of the king now who are more outstanding than Daniel and his three friends. And it turns out that when they're fired by the king, um, and you know the Nebuchadnezzar himself is trying to find out exactly what they know and what they don't know, uh, they're easily ten times ahead of the class. And then an enigmatic sentence, which will come to God willing before the end of the shir, Vahi Daniel Achnat Achat Shamelach. And Daniel is uh, in the royal court through the first year of Koresh, who of course is a Persian king as opposed to a Babylonian king. So just to set the tone for our study of Sefer Daniel, there's a beautiful line in Shirashim Rabbah that says, Pasuk in Shirashim says, Bikashti nafshi. Right, so we have uh, the Raya uh, uh, being told by the Dod that, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking for my heart's desire, and said Daniel, this is Daniel. So there is something, uh, you know, Daniel is known as Ish HaChamudot, the beloved person. And uh, so as we open the first chapter of Sefer Daniel to try and understand who Daniel was and why his writings uh, are canonized, uh, there is something because there's something beloved about him. This, and, you know, aside, we read, you know, in the text, uh, you know, that that uh, he was he, he was certainly uh, very well favored, but he, this is a uh, this is somebody with charisma and charm to say the least. Uh, so uh, I wanted to open here with just uh, you know reaching back into Tanakh for some of our Tanakh background. Uh, in Yirmiyahu twenty fifth chapter, we have Bashana Halavit Lehoyakim Ben Yoshiahu Melech Yehuda. This is uh, when Nevuchadnezzar 
uh, came. So Yirmiyahu is speaking about the um, about the events that we just read about, where you know the the king and and his court, uh, his members of his court are taken into a captivity. So here's the prophecy of Yirmiyahu that Yoyakim will be taken uh, to Eretz Shinar. In Divrei Hayamim Bet, we have Ben Asrim Chamei Shana Yehoyakim B'Molcho, Allah Nebuchad Netzar Melech Bavel Vayasreu Ben Chushtayim, and here we read about how Yoyakim is brought uh, in, by chains into the capital of Bavel, and Vayimloch Yehoyachin Beno Tachtav. Uh, now, this is important because um, in most of what we've read so far, so of course we're familiar with the great exile that happens when the Beit HaMikdash is destroyed during the reign of King Tzidkiyahu. Uh, we've made uh, uh, many references to Galut Yechoniah, or Yehoyachin, which is, you know, the Galut of the Harash in the Masger, which are, you know, where uh, the, the, the king of Babel you know, took uh, the the best uh, of the court of Yehoyachin. So uh, that's why I, we take these moments here to to realize that there, and to go back and study, that there was another um, first exile before that in the time of Yehoyachin, which is the one that, that uh, grabbed up a presumably 14-year-old Daniel, 12-year-old Hananian Mishael Vazaria, and it would be six or seven years, according to Rav David Nativ, until the Galut of Yoyachin would happen. So there's perhaps a seven-year span between uh, Galut Yehoyakim and Galut Yehoyachin. So uh, in the first part of the, the shir here, after having gone through the, the text, uh, we want to answer some of the basic questions, attend to some of the basic questions or at least try to, that we would typically do when we open up a Sefer in Tanakh. And so uh, we want to know who wrote Sefer Daniel. So the Gemara in Baba Basra that we've had occasion to look at before tells that Anshe Knesset Hagdola Katvu Yechezkel Ushne Masar, what we know as Treasar, Daniel Umigilat Esther. So the Anshe Knesset Hagdola, and uh, you know, we, we mention uh, Anshe Knesset Hagdola without ever really saying uh, who these folks are. So uh, I thought to bring you the Rashi uh, uh, there in Bava Basra, where Rashi says, So these are the people who wrote uh, of the, the books, and uh, we see here that uh, Rashi tells us, Sefer Daniel, Sheya So the Anshe Knesset Hagdola, uh, and because uh, the uh, prophecy is not given to people outside of Eretz Yisrael, uh, Yechezkel Rashi deals with here, not for now. You know, we, we made reference to the unique aspect of, of Yechezkel, but in any case, we have the Anshik Nesedak being the people who author the book that we're reading. Now, the business about when the story began is, uh, is really a, a, a great debate amongst the Mepharshim, uh, because if you follow the simple reading of the text, um, it doesn't add up uh, easily to understand uh, when Nebuchadnezzar came and why he came at this time and how the verse fits. Um, so the Seder Olam Rabbah, is a offers an opinion that the third year, which is really where the difficulty lies, why the third year? Um, this is he said this this is the third year that Yehoiakim had been in revolt against Nebuchadnezzar. So on the theological side, Yehoiakim ben Yoshiahu is not uh, the uh, worthy son of his father's legacy, and so uh, Hashem is going to punish him. Uh, and at the same time, on the political side, you know, Yehoiakim is trying out uh, to see whether he can uh, uh, disobey the king of Babel, and as a result, you know, he's taken to captivity. 
I wanted to spend just a few minutes here introducing you to one of the parshanim, one of the commentaries that we're going to be seeing here and there in Sefer Daniel, because um, there's just a sweet moment here of uh, what being a Jewish scholar uh, is like. So the man's name is Rabbi Yosei uh, Eben Yechia, or Eben Yechia. So listen to his opening words to his, uh, his, his, his uh, commentary on Sefer Daniel. Amar ha'eved ha'katan, Yosef ben Ladoni harav don David ben ha'kadosh, Yosef ben David ben Yosef ben Shlomo ben ha'nagid David ben Gedalia ben Shlomo ben Arav Yosef ben Yehuda ben ha'don don Yehia. This is his lineage. And then he goes on to say that he's living in, in, in the city in, uh, the, that was uh, exiled from Sfarad, and he's living in Portugal. And then he goes on to explain why he's um, writing a perush on Sefer Daniel, and he says, Rosh Am Golat, Golat Ariel. This is, you know, a, a double entendre, I imagine. But it's again referring to the fact that this is, you know, the early exile. Uh, he he points to, you know, Yehoiakim and his children, uh, you know, being taken, and his Yehoiakim and the, the leaders of his court being taken to Babel is punishment, um, and uh, the Kalim that are brought into the house of the the treasury house of the king of Babel. Now, the Malbim says something very, very telling here, because this will be a, a sub-theme of Sefer Daniel, and why we study Sefer Daniel. And so the Malbim says that from Nebuchadnezzar's point of view, Lohi kir Hashem, that it never occurred to the Babylonian tyrant, you know, that his uh, victory over Yehoiakim was uh, because he, God considered him Avdi, uh, that he was acting on God's behalf, so to speak, but and so that's why he, uh, you know, he dispatches everything he's got. He's gotten the spoils and the booty, and he's put it uh, in in the treasure house of his deity. So uh, Raviol Ben Nun, just a couple comments from him about the opening chapter here. Uh, he says, you know that. Uh, that yes, in fact, it had been 11 years uh, since Yehoiakim uh, took charge uh, after his father Yoshiahu was tragically killed in Megiddo. Um, but he says that uh, you know this is uh, the this is the third year of his revolt against Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, Rav Yoel is very very big, as we're going to see as we go forward. On that, the beginning of Galut is the changing of names. So the fact that Daniel has now gotten the name Belshazzar and the others have gotten Babylonian names, uh, this is really a, a louder clang, if you will, than the chains that brought them uh, you know, to the Babylonian capital. Uh, and here, uh, one of the, something that we'll touch on a bit, uh, hopefully tonight, uh, is um, a, a study in contrast that Reviol is very fond of, um, and because it's poignant, and he contrasts uh, Sefer, uh, Sefer Daniel to Megillat Esther. Um, and he says that uh, the, the changing of the names uh, happens on the command of the king, which is not the case in, um, in, in Megillat Esther. We don't find Ahasuerus uh, changing anybody's names or forcing on, on them. Uh, but uh, here, this is this is really uh, you know it's from the top down, from the king of Bavel, you know, announcing the exile, if you will. And so Raviol asks uh, a wonderful Raviol question. He wants to know. So what is Daniel thinking? He's willing to allow. You know, he's not going to die on the hill, if you will, of the king changing of his name, but he's willing to change anything here. Uh, and so as not to be in violation of halakha. Now, I would hasten to say, not for tonight, uh, it's beyond the scope of the shir, that there's, you know, there's a, a, a real uh, discussion amongst the commentaries about whether what Daniel declining uh, the king's uh, food, 
whether it was really a question of kashrus. I mean, the, the big uh, item is Pad Bag HaMelech. The fact that the wine is included, and that might have been Yayanesach or something else, is really not you know, a primary issue in the text. It's all about eating the, the royal meals. And there's, 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 there are some who challenge and say, uh, what was, and, and this is you know, part of what Rav Yoel, I imagine, is asking, is you know, um, what halacha is he really you know, willing to, uh, to, why is he willing to die on this hill? It's, it's not even that he's necessarily going to be uh, eating treif and uh, the, uh, the chumras that come with the ayinesach, you know, are, are rabbinic and may not have been enforced at, at this point in time. So he's asking, why is he so insistent? And the idea would seem to be that Daniel is no fool. He understands exactly what the king is up to. And Daniel, in his own way, is determined to keep his Jewish identity. <clears throat> uh, another contrast uh, to Megillat Esther made by Rav Yoel is that Megillat Esther, uh, the, um, the, uh, the people in, uh, in, in Shushan were willing to eat from the king's suda. Um, they were willing to, to transgress halacha, if you will, uh, but, uh, you know, they, they weren't all that concerned about uh, keeping their names. Uh, so, for instance, we have uh, Mordechai, who is known as M- uh, Marduch, uh, which is literally the name of the Babylonian idol. And uh, even though we have Esther as, as Hadassah, uh, but, you know, they're carrying uh, Persian names at that time. And they certainly ate from the, uh, not, not Mordechai and Esther, but the rest of the Jews. Uh, next question is, who was Daniel? Uh, and it turns out that that's not such a simple question to ask, uh, to answer, uh, because, uh, it will, as we'll see in a moment, it carries uh, a, another dimension that is absolutely challenging. So the Psikta tells us that uh, Daniel may have been known as Sheish Batsar. Um, he's mentioned in Sefer Ezra as being a Nasili Yehuda. Um, the Psikta says that where did, it, where did he get the acronym Sheish Batsar? It's a notricon, uh, where you divide the words. Sheish Batsar is like six Batsar, Sheish Tsarot, Sheish Batsar. He, he went through six different great tragedies in his lifetime, the Galut Yoelachim, Galut Sitkiyahu, uh, when they tried to kill Chachmei Bavel, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah being thrown into the Kifshan Eish, and his own experience with the lions, the famous the lions then. In one of the Targumim to Sefer Esther, we have Daniel being identified as Mimuchan, who is one of the, uh, one of the, the, the people in the court of Paras. The Gemara in Megillah suggests that he who is no, also known as Hasach, uh, and Rashi tells us uh, that this is Hasach, uh, who lived uh, during the reign of uh, the Daryavish Hasheni. So there, there are two. Um, so we're going to have two uh, Dariuses, if you will, in English, who play up parts in the story of Daniel. There's the earlier Darius, Darius one, or Darian the Mede or Median from Madai. Uh, he's presumably the one, says Rashi, that uh, threw uh, Daniel in, uh, in the, uh, into the uh, lion's den. Uh, but at that enigmatic Pusik that we read at the end of the parak, uh, we would have, during the period of Dariavish II, um, uh, you know, who may have been uh, the, uh, the child of, uh, of Mordechai and Esther. But uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves. The Malbim tells us that uh, when we read that, uh, that those who were taken into the, uh, to the Galut uh, of Yehoiakim uh, were Mibnei Yehuda, says the Malbim Rotselama Mizera Hayichus Mibet David, Sheyichus Amlucha Hayelihuda Gever Beachav. So the lineage of Daniel is uh, that he is from Shevet Yehuda. And those of you who've been wondering whether <clears throat> the Ben Kol was going to speak and say for Daniel, well, here he comes.
Uh, I'm not going to attempt asking the question in Aramaic, uh, but here is a question uh, that asks, who was Daniel's father? We don't have anywhere in Seyfield Daniel, and based on my queries to people uh, who know a lot more than I do, uh, that, who report that they have no answer to the question, note the Ben Cole has asked a question that doesn't have an answer in Seyfield Daniel, and then we wonder, what does it mean that, that his identity may be unknown? I mean, Danielle's father. So, uh, you know, I think a, a fair way to address that question right now is to simply say, ah, uh, <laughs> I just got a... a, <laughs> a <laughs> and you got to believe in, in, in Siata Deshmaya. Uh, an email from Rabbi Benny Lau to my query about Danielle's father also saying that we don't have any sources that tell us who he might have been. Uh, I, I didn't read all the email, but I, I could see that it, 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 it came across my screen. But what does it mean that his identity may be unknown? Well, I think the fair answer to that might be it, it really tells us a lot about the chaos. In other words, uh, you know, this period of Jewish history where, uh, that is Sefer Daniel, going from Galut Yehoyakim, we just talked about uh, Sheish Batsar being an, uh, one of the possible names for Daniel himself. This was a time of great chaos and upheaval, literally, in Jewish life, the, the, in exile. Uh, and so uh, the fact that the text doesn't give us an identity may just simply reflect, reflect you know, that uh, there were missing people um, and we don't, we don't know. The text doesn't tell us, inform us uh, in Tanakh who Daniel's father was. Um, uh, one word about the organization of Sefer Daniel before we uh, start moving into some of the issues of the Sefer is that it, it's really sort of neatly divided according to um, the, uh, the people who uh, wrote about Sefer Daniel in uh, Mosad Rav Kook, they said uh, ch uh, through one and six, uh, tell us about you know the outward workings of the Galut, and the second part, seven through twelve, uh, talk us talk us through the uh, the uh, dreams and the uh, and the uh, visions uh, that Daniel is so famous for. Dot Mikra uh, did a lovely job. They agree with, the, the, you know, they made the same division between uh, chapters 1 through 6 and then 7 through 12, and they gave us a, 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 some nice uh, nicknames for it, and they called the first part Sefer HaMasim, you know, the book of uh, that tells us the goings-on, and the second uh, part of Sefer Daniel, Sefer HaKizyonot, uh, the book of uh, the visions. So here we go. Uh, the, the burning topic here is really, so we went from st studying Sefer Yechezkel, which is centered in, 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 the, in Seder Nevi'im, in Tanakh, right? Tanakh stands for Torah Nevi'im Ektuvim. And Daniel is not to be found in, amongst the prophets in Nevi'im, but he's found in uh, Ktuvim which raises the question, was Daniel a prophet? And uh, I, I'm going to foreshadow this a bit by saying that there are no less than 19 different sources that I collected, uh, and uh, you can almost divide them in half. And what's really uh, fascinating and exciting, if you're a fan of uh, trying to learn from conflict, is that there are not only uh, differences of opinions across the, the commentaries and the Gemaras, uh, there are internal um, arguments within uh, differences of opinion within uh, the Gemara, within the Rambam, within the Abarbanel. Uh, so this is really a, a fascinating uh, question and a difficult one to answer. So let's have a look at the Gemara and see how far into this we can go. The Gemara in, in Megillah Daf Gimel says, "Veraiti ani Daniel levadia tamar mara vanashima shehayuimi lo ra'u etamara." So we're we're not in Perik, we're in Perikalif. We're not in. I'm sorry. We, this is a, a bit ahead of us, but there's a vision that's that Daniel 
has, uh, he sees it, and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, uh, well, actually, the, the Gemara here says that it was uh, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, who were actual Nevi'im in Treasar, they didn't see what he saw. So the Gemara struggles with how this could have been, and uh, they, they say, that in a certain respect, i.e. in the respect of actually being able to see what was going on, Daniel saw the vision, clearly they did not, but they have an advantage over him, and here's the, the significant passage, in they are uh, adif, they are of a higher standing than Daniel, the inhu the who love Navi. So the Gemara in Megillah clearly tells us, you know, what we already know that Chagai, Zechariah, and Malachi are Nevi'im, but the Gemara states clearly that Daniel uh, was their lesser because he was not a Navi. The, this, we find that same Gemara repeated again with no changes that I could find in Sanhedrin Tzadigimel. Now look at the Gemara Megillah Tedvav. Amir Rab Nachman. Malachi Zemordechai, Velamanikra Malachi, Shahaya Mishnela Melech, Metive Baruch Bener Yusraya Ben Masaya, Vidaniel Umordechai Balshan, Vichagai Zechariu Malachi, Zechariu Malachi, right? People that we just grouped together, Kulam Nit Nabeu Bishnat Shtaim Lidar Yavish. They all had prophecies during the second year of Darius. This would be Darius too, yes, I think. And uh, so, wait a minute. The Gemara in Daf Gimel told us that Daniel was not a Navi. Here it's including him with, with the same group of people, amongst others, uh, who were all had prophecies. So, which is what's true here? So, in the Hebrew Art Scroll, uh, there's a wonderful comment. He says, Ulam Daniel Navi Mamash. And here we get uh, the, the, the cusp, and we, we start to get traction in this great debate, uh, that the fact that uh, Daniel had a nevua or saw a nevua does not make him a bona fide navi. All he saw was a great vision of angels. Shehi darga nemucha yoter minuvua mamash. So tells us uh, uh, the, the people who comment on Art Scroll, uh, you know, on the Gemara Megillah, that there's a lower level uh, than Nevi'ut, where you can actually have visions, occasional visions, if you will, but that doesn't make you a full dyed-in-the-wool, uh, if you will, Navi. Uh, we're going to, you know, develop this a lot here in the next couple minutes. The Shla in Parsha Sukkot says, Daniel, Afshem Malato Gidola, and, and the reason I brought the Shala, who's you know, a, a, a later Kabbalist, uh, into discussion early here, is because uh, he makes a really important and, I think, telling distinction. Uh, I'm not going to parse it out, not because of the complexity, but it's, it's something for you all to think about. He basically says that Daniel, Daniel was a great man, and he certainly saw you know, godly things. But Lonish Taleh La Gidl Israel Al Kain Lonikra Navi. Chagai's Kayu Malachi Khazui Magola Lerit Israel Al Kah Hutsrukuliochim Hashem Israel Mashem King Daniel. So if you ask the Shla Kodosh how you decide who has simply has what we will now call Ruach Kodesh, um, and people who are real uh, actual Navim it has to do with whether or not they were sent to speak to the Jewish people. Daniel's story and the narrative of his life in those events are really important, but unlike the Nevi'im, uh, says the Shla Kodosh, he was not dispatched to go inform B'nai Israel of anything, which tells us, uh, you know, as we imagine what it means to be a Navi in the true sense of the word, a Navi, you have to have a shlichus, you have to have a mission, you have to be there, not just to tell your story, but also to, to instruct the Jewish people. That's, that's the line. Um, a new voice for us, and one of the people who spent uh, a great deal of her life studying Sefer Daniel is a woman named Rivka Raviv. And she informs us about something that's really interesting.
here we go. Sefer Daniel Nimtza Batanach HaIvri Bein Sifrei HaKtuvim. Something we all know, right? If you open up a Tanakh, as you did tonight to open up Sefer Daniel, you found Daniel in Ktuvim. V'ilu Batanach HaYivani Kemo Betargum HaShivim Bein Sifrei HaNevim. If you open up the Septuagint, you will find Sefer Daniel not in Ketufim, you'll find it in Nevi'im. On top of that, she tells us that in the Qumran caves, uh, where you know, there, were, there were you know documents that were obviously put away in groups, um, and so the, uh, there were eight versions of, uh, or eight, eight copies of Sefer Daniel, um, and uh, a Daniel was wrapped up, which those of you who remember the Gemara about Tumas Yadayim, you know, it's really important which is goes which. But it seems that in, in the Qumran caves, uh, people who preserved ancient texts and holy texts uh, grouped or bundled uh, Sefer Daniel with the Nevi'im. So uh, was there a change? Uh, I don't want to go into the the heat of that argument, but the point is that it, it we have some real questions about was Daniel a, a navi? Uh, does the fact that he had a prophecy make him a navi? And if he was a navi, why is he in his book recorded in Ksuvim uh, rather than in uh, in in Nevi'im? So uh, here is, starts a long list, right, of, of those, some of those 19 sources um, that, uh, you know, have uh, uh, Daniel being a, a, a Navi or not. Uh, just in the interest of time here, uh, the Medr- we learned from the Medrash Tanhuma that Daniel was not the only person who was may have been considered uh, a, a Navi, but didn't get a, a book in Sif, of his own in the Sifrei HaNaviim. So, for instance, we have David and Shlomo, uh, who also were considered Naviim, uh, Sefer Tilim, certainly David, uh, you know, with Mishlei, Kohelet, uh, Shira Shirim. Uh, the, the, there are words of prophecy there, but they are not collected in, uh, in Sefer Nevi'im uh, on, under those titles. So we have the Seder Olam, has, uh, Olam Rabbah saying that Daniel is a, uh, is a member of that group and he was a Navi. The Rambam does not say, think that the, the Daniel was a Navi. In fact, he, uh, he mentions uh, the, you know, a, a grouping of the Navi, Nevi'im um, at, and he says, uh, Yes, David, Shlomo, Daniel had visions of prophecy, but Clearly the fact, says the Rambam, that, that like David or Shlomo, Daniel uh, was able to see uh, heavenly visions uh, does not make him a, an, a, a, an actual Navi like Yirmiyahu, Yishayahu, etc. Now, the uh, Abarbanel uh, wrote uh, his own, a separate uh, book that he called Mayanei HaYishua, Mayanei HaYishua, which is about Sefer Daniel. And there he writes that, he, in his opinion, Daniel was a Navi. Now, uh, the Abarbanel, uh, in another place, uh, says that, uh, the equivalent of that he wasn't. Uh, but here's an interesting thing that he said along the way. Daniel so another place, the Abarbanel says that, well, Daniel um, was self-inspired to tell his story. And he did write it by Ruach HaKodesh, uh, and that's why it was canonized in the Ketuvim, but that does not make him a Navi. So, um, 
and then another place he says Daniel like we saw in, in the Shalah, that the criterion is whether he was actually sent or not. So I see that we're over-prepared here again, but let's just go through the list here. The Kuzari says that Daniel was a Navi. Ibn Ezra mm-hmm. held that he was a Navi, so it begs the question over and over again, you know, uh, why is it that he isn't uh, to be found in the Sefer HaNaviyim? Uh, Rabbeinu Bechai says that Ruach HaKodesh is, uh, is a definitive characteristic of books that are in the Ketuvim, and that's why they're there. Uh, the Ramchal gives us an interesting definition of what the difference might be between uh, a prophecy and Ruach HaKodesh. Very difficult. Beneath the level of Nevoah, there's another level that's called Ruach HaKodesh. So a man can be inspired, inspired uh, his mind can be respired, inspired by HaKodesh Baruch God speaks to people and lets people know things through Ruach HaKodesh. But that also does not necessarily make for Nivuah. The Gra tells us, so in his view, the holy view of the, of the Gra, uh, what we have in, uh, in the absence of, Nev- of Nevoah is we have Ruach HaKodesh. Um, I think I'm going to make an executive decision here to stop here and start uh, next week with uh, the topical analysis of chapter 1, which really brings about the age-old question, as was Daniel a Babylonian Jew or a Jewish Babylonian? And what, is the, what, is, what are we to be learning about uh, what it means for the Jews uh, who lived in, in Bavel and in, and in Persia and throughout the diaspora as we now know it? So I'm not going to tax us any further here. I'm going to stop here and open the, uh, the floor.